Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Well, welcome everyone to uh, hey Spark, hey, Spark Rentals <laughs> podcast, YouTube, Facebook Live, you name it. <laughs> um, last week, if you joined us, we uh, were talking with Matt Simmons. This week, we're going to be talking about the possibility of future eviction moratoriums, which is probably not a possibility. Um, <laughs> I think it is a possibility. No, uh, I was saying that facetiously. I, do. <laughs> I hope it's not a possibility. Yeah, me either. But um, please let us know where where you're joining us from, um, and if you have any questions, any suggestions on future subjects, just pop it right in the chat box because um, we will answer them. Yeah, we try to keep this a dialogue, not a monologue, as we often say. Absolutely. So, Brian, just for anybody that might not know, give us a bit of a recap about how these uh, eviction moratoriums worked. Sure. So on the federal level, starting in March 2020, all properties with government-backed mortgages had an eviction moratorium for on them. And then the CDC initiated their nationwide eviction moratorium for all rental properties as of September 1st, 2020. And it was originally supposed to be through the end of 2020, and then it got extended through the end of January 2021, and then it got extended through the end of March, and then through the end of June, and then through the end of July, and they kept pushing it forward and forward and forward because it was politically expedient, and we'll get to that again in a minute. Eventually, the Biden administration released a new moratorium that was intended to last until the end of October, but the Supreme Court eventually struck it down. They reviewed it a few times and they upheld it for a little while. And then they said, all right, enough's enough. And they struck it down in late August of 2021. But that meant that from late February of 2020, because most courts were closed, even with the moratorium aside. So from late February of 2020 through the end of August of 2021, so a year and a half, there were basically no evictions in the U.S. There were a handful that probably got through, but basically nationwide evictions were banned for a year and a half in the U.S. For non-payment? Yes, for anything. Well, I guess I guess you're right. There were a few technical exceptions, but for non-payment and, and, and you couldn't non-renew tenants, I mean, any of that stuff. Right. I think there were some exceptions for like criminal behavior and stuff like right. that. But uh, but even then, you know, the courts weren't operating for a good chunk of that time. So you couldn't get someone out anyway. That's so it was a it was a big problem. And then of course that was the federal level. A lot of of states and local municipalities and cities also had their own eviction moratoriums on top of that. Is it eviction moratoria? <laughs> it was the plural of moratorium. <laughs> They had their own eviction moratoriums on top of that. Uh, and, and if it was some... a tenant-friendly t- state. Exactly. Yeah, guess. a lot of yeah, a lot of tenant-friendly cities, tenant-friendly states, 
they had eviction moratoriums that went even longer than that year and a half period, uh, even going into 2022. So for over two years in some places, landlords could not get rid of bad tenants. So that's a big problem when a legal contract, a lease agreement being a, a legal contract between two parties, it becomes only enforceable in one direction. So tenants could enforce their leases against landlords. Landlords could not enforce their leases against tenants, which is a big problem if you have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, an investment property and you, you can no longer actually collect revenue from it uh, or, or enforce the other are... terms of your lease. If you are somebody who, you know, got stuck with a rental somehow and you needed the rent money to pay the mortgage. Oh, sure. Know. Which is most mom and pop landlords. Right. Yeah. You, you were you were up, up the creek without a paddle. The problem now is that this legal precedent has been set. So it's a matter of when, not if governments, and I you know, use that plurally, you know, local, state, or federal, do this again. You know, it could be next year, it could be next decade, it could be several decades from now, you know, who knows when it will happen. But it will happen again, whether it's a super deep recession, whether it's another public health crisis. Governments, they have this trick in their, in their deck now. So they will pull it again when it becomes politically expedient. And it was politically expedient. I mean, renters make up over a third of the U.S. population, uh, and they're seen as a sympathetic demographic group, uh, whereas there are a tiny fraction of that for a number of landlords, right? I mean, most of the population are not landlords. So it's, a, it's a tiny sliver of the population, and landlords aren't viewed very sympathetically anyway. So, you know, there are all kinds of horrible stereotypes about landlords, most of which are not true, at least in most cases. So it's politically expedient to do things to benefit tenants at the expense of landlords, because that's not going to cost you elections as a politician. Right. So, you know, I, I worry that when we have a recession that gets deep enough in this country, we're going to see them pull this trick again on landlords and real estate investors in general. So the question then becomes, as an investor who wants to invest your money with minimal risk, how do you protect yourself against future eviction moratoriums? So we've got a few ideas here for you. One is to invest in higher end rental properties. So B plus class properties and upward. B plus, A minus, A class properties. During the eviction moratorium, there were much lower default rates among those property classes than D, C, and B class properties. And some of that is that the higher you go up the socioeconomic ladder, the more credit matters to you. I'm generalizing, of course, but how else are we going to talk about hundreds of millions of people, right? <laughs> so, you know, higher income earners take their credit more seriously than the lowest income earners. And evictions do appear on your credit report, not just if there's an eviction, but every single monthly payment and whether it's on time or late appears on the renter's credit report. And this is not just a stick. It's also a carrot, right? You are rewarding renters who pay on right. time and actually abide by the legal contract that they signed with you. So that's the second tip. Third tip, and this is actually goes in the complete opposite direction of the tips <laughs> we just talked about, is consider investing in Section 8 housing because Section 8 pays the rent. 
<laughs> on behalf of the tenants. Now, you might be saying, okay, well, that's all well and good for the portion of the rent that Section 8 pays, but what right. about the tenant's portion? And that is a valid concern. So as you screen tenants, if you are actively searching for Section 8 tenants, look for tenants where Section 8 pays 100% of the rent. Or, or at very least a good bit, it. right. Yeah, so that you'll keep collecting the rents regardless of how the tenant behaves. Uh, it's not up to the tenant to pay the rent. It's up to the government to pay the rent. Uh, so that's one other option there. If you wanted to go in the opposite direction, if you wanted to invest in affordable housing and you wanted to protect against eviction moratoriums, that's another option at your disposal. Well, Number can four I add here, a little tip here real quick? I just wanted to add um, a little tip about corporate running uh, to corporations. Um, if that makes sense. I, I do some work with, with that, I, I just think another way to help or to, you know, another way to avoid this is to rent to corporations. So a lot of people will shy away from them, but I work with a social service agency and not one of the apartments that I placed was in, affected by the moratorium. So there's all kinds of situations, you know, people that place people, uh, fire insurance companies for fire losses, all kinds of things. Anyway, go ahead, Brian. Well, yeah, so that actually, that's one of the one of the tips on this list is extended stay or medium term renters, right? So travel nurses, you know, like you said, Denny, you know, people who are being put up for a month or two or three or four, you know, so it's not a, an Airbnb, like a short-term rental where they're running by the night, but it's also not a full year-long lease either. So extended stay rentals is another good way to protect against that. And to your point, if the employer or if a corporation is paying the rent, you know, you'll actually get paid <laughs> as opposed to the renter. And I don't know if I got cut off there, uh, but one tip that we had started talking about was collect a higher security deposit if you can. Uh, every state and city has its own limits on that, but usually it's between one and a half or two months rent is the limit for security deposits. The more you collect, the safer you are. If you can collect last month's rent as well, uh, when the person, when the renter signs the lease, that's great too. Right. Uh, one other option here is don't invest in residential real estate at all. You can still invest in real <laughs> estate. You can, you can invest in land. You know, Denny, you and I have invested in land mm -hmm. parcels. You can invest in self-storage facilities. You can invest in commercial properties like office buildings. Uh, you can invest in industrial real estate. Denny, you and I, we just did a deal where we, we just invested passively in an industrial deal, industrial real estate deal down in Texas. Uh, you can invest in, in retail properties. Uh, so there are all kinds of other types of real estate that you can invest with in. And you don't have to go out and buy an entire self-storage facility, you can invest in syndications <laughs> that then invest or, or that own uh, self-storage facilities or office right. buildings or whatever. Uh, and if you're not familiar with how real estate syndications work, uh, there are commercial deals where you invest as like a fractional owner in them. Uh, you get entitled to rental income. Uh, you get equity upside when the property sells. And we have a real estate investing club that invests in exactly these. So uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that link. in the comments here. What's that? I'm going to put the link in. Uh, thank you, Danny. Um, so yeah, instead of having to put up 50 or 100 grand for a down payment on a property or investing in a real estate syndication by yourself, uh, you can join an investing club like ours or you know, someone else's uh, where you can invest with as little as $5,000 per property. 
uh, which might still sound like a lot, but it's a lot less than 50 or $100,000 for a down payment. And finally, if you still want to invest in residential properties, you can do that, but you can rent them on Airbnb instead of signing long-term leases. So you can still, the police eject someone for trespassing if they overstay their Airbnb. They're not actually squatters, uh, at least, you know, as long as they don't stay there for at least a you know a month or two or, you know, established domicile there. They're trespassers if they overstay their, their Airbnb welcome. So you don't have to go through the eviction process if someone were to overstay their Airbnb. You just have them kicked out for trespassing. So it's instant <laughs> and cheap and it's another option that you at your disposal. And, you know, that's almost never a problem with Airbnb properties either. That really doesn't happen often. Uh, where guests overstay the, the, their contract. So Airbnb or short-term rentals, another option. If you do like the idea of buying residential properties, um, but you don't want to have to worry about this issue of uh, eviction moratoriums or, or for that matter, having to deal with evictions at all. Because evictions, Denny, you've been there many times. I've been there oh. many times. It's expensive. You have to go to court. There are legal costs and it, there are headaches. It's oh emotionally goodness. draining. The tenants calling you and you know giving you sob stories and telling you every lie in the book in many cases. Or if you have the professional tenant, forget it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So they they know all the loopholes uh, and how to. I mean, I had a professional tenant uh, squat in my property for eleven months one time. It took me almost a year to get them out. And when they did finally leave, they had destroyed my property. Mm -hmm. So evictions suck. <laughs> And that's even when the system is actually working properly. Right. So, all right, Denny, I did a lot of talking. Uh, is, is there anything you want to add here <laughs> as we wrap up this conversation about uh, protecting yourself against evictions and future eviction moratoriums? No, I think that covers it. And I think we just need to be very mindful of the cost. Like I know tenants who went a year without paying rent and the eviction moratorium was over and they left. Yep. So that's a lot of money. Oh yeah, an entire year's worth of rent. I mean, at, at two thousand dollars a month, that's twenty four thousand dollars for a year of free rent. I mean, that that those tenants, that tenant effectively stole twenty four thousand dollars from that landlord. Right. It's like going, you know, you can't go to Walmart and get a bread piece of bread or a loaf of bread. The government's not going to let you get a loaf of bread at Walmart and walk out. <laughs> and anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you hundred percent. So just. A couple of things to keep in mind, you know, as you invest looking forward and, you know, as you're looking to reduce your risk as a real estate investor. So on that note, any final thoughts before we call this episode complete? No, that's it. All right, guys. Well, we will catch you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern for our weekly broadcast. Stay in touch with us. Support at sparkrental.com. Let us know what you want to hear about. And please, if you enjoy these broadcasts, you know, rate and review on Spotify or you know iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Share with your friends. Comment. All of the above is appreciated. So thanks again. Have a good day. Bye. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.